It's a quick fire quiz just before we get to the second episode in our Royal Rumble podcast series. I'm joined by the phenom of the podcast. It's Spud, our Montgomery. Spud, the two faces of Montgomery. We need to add a third to that list. I think we kind of did it the first podcast. We haven't confirmed anything. Welcome back to the show. How's it going, man? I haven't talked to you in ages. It's been so long. So long. Um, Yeah, so long. At least, at least. (laughs) Um, It's it's a pleasure as always, man. I am the phenom. Wouldn't be a wrestling podcast without me, literally. Literally, <laughs> every single one. The only consistent, <laughs> the conscience of the podcast, as they would say about oh, the taker way back. <laughs> Let's get right into the quiz, Spud. First question: Royal okay. Rumble 2004, the world title match between Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Who won? Uh, Triple H. No, it was a draw. They both couldn't answer the 10 oh, count. Oh, no. Wait a minute. <laughs> he Hold kept on. his belt, though. I'm not having that. You can't do trick questions. Nobody, <laughs> Nobody was a... the right answer. There was A, B, and C. That's very true. Very, very true. Okay, <sighs> we'll go We'll go back a year. Kurt Angle <laughs> and Chris Benoit offer the SmackDown title. It was the WWE Championship. What was the outcome of that match? Who won, and do you know how they won? Let me think. Two two thousand three. Two thousand three. Also, Triple H and Steiner on the same card. If that rings any bells, Lesnar won the Rumble. Raw. He never had the match. It must have been Kurt Angle. Correct. And how did he win it? How did he win it? Is this going to annoy me if I don't get it? Is no. it just straight like pin submission, or is it like stupid? Just, just the method. Pin, submission, whatever. I know, but you're saying whatever, like, it's 100%. <laughs> okay, it's pin or submission. It's an A or a B. Okay. It's no trick here. Uh, pin. It was an ankle lock tap out by Chris sick. Benoit in one of the matches of the year. So you're half a point up after the first question. Royal Rumble 1997. Who defeated Psycho Sid to leave with the WWF title at the time? Uh, Psycho Sid was Shawn Michaels. Ding, ding, ding. Correct. Royal Rumble. That's my way house. That's, that's <laughs> where you're coming from. That's perfect. <laughs> Let's go with 1996. Who did Goldust face in a match before the Royal Rumble? It was an Intercontinental title match. Just going to tell you. It's either Farouk Ahmed Johnson or Trips Triple H because they just fought constantly for like two years. I Re- think it's Farouk. It was Razor Ramon. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm well off, man. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, no, fair enough. Uh, they were both in the Royal Rumble. Fake Diesel and Fake Razor, I think, were in the Royal Rumble. I hate this. <laughs> Royal Rumble 2001, what we decided was probably the favourite Royal Rumble pay per view and match of all time. Royal Rumble 2001, what two wrestlers competed in a ladder match for the Intercontinental title? Uh, Jericho Benoit. Bang. 
Easy. On to the next one. That's the headshot one. That was yeah. awful. Yeah. Royal Rumble 2004. Who oh, won the God. Royal Rumble? Oh, God, it has to be Benoit. It's the forgotten one. Correct. It's literally the one that forgot. You love Benoit, though. It actually man. was a very random one. When I put these together, I didn't realise that Benoit was on those in three, <laughs> yes. three of a question. It's, it's like a Chris web. Benoit quiz. <laughs> Benoit quiz, man. Who did Vince McMahon face in a one-on-one match in 2006 at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view? I think it was Ric Flair. You're correct. In 1995... Oh, the best Royal Rumble. <laughs> Diesel faced who in the WWF title match? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the main event at WrestleMania. It was Diesel and Shawn Michaels. So who did Diesel face at the Rumble in January? Taker. No, no, Brett. Correct. Correct. <laughs> well, you've redeemed yourself, Spud, so far. You've two wrong, but I've one <laughs> more question for you. Two years ago, Royal Rumble 2019, Brock Lesnar defended his title against who? It's going to be somebody. They always throw weird ones in. I'll tell you one thing. As a one-on-one match, it wasn't one of his triple threats against Rollins, yeah. Cena, or Braun and Kane. It was a one-on-one match. It's a random one. It's like a wee guy. Finn Balor. Ding, ding, ding. It was Finn Balor. Jesus all these like I'm rubbish we've <laughs> <laughs> done okay I think the, the first the first couple of questions you struggled with but you've done well since and by my calculation you are five out of seven so we'll do one more just to make it a nice even number to finish this superstar won the Royal Rumble in the year 2000 they also won the WWE Championship at the Royal Rumble 2013 who is it? That's The Rock. It is, indeed. There you go. Should have been a big show, but it was The Rock. <laughs> there we go. Six out of eight, Spud. That's a decent a decent tally. Do you, do you want two more? Do you want two more? Yeah, get I want two more. Just to get bump that up, yeah. The WWF title match at Royal Rumble 2001 was... Nobody the... remembers that. <laughs> <laughs> no never the Royal Rumble. It's always like, right, go ahead. 2001's alright. It's okay. Go. 2001 WWF title match was between who? The Rock and Kurt Angle. Nope. You got one part right. <gasps> Kurt Angle. I'll give you half a point. I'm giving you another go. Who did Kurt Angle face? Remember, Steve Austin won the Royal Rumble and went to face The Rock at WrestleMania. Who did Kurt so Angle did he face? Kurt Angle must get beat and no way out. Yep, by The Rock. Oh, God. Is it Triple H? Ding, ding, ding. It is. It was Austin cost Triple H the match, and H attacked Austin from behind on Austin's way down. So there you go. That's that's why they fought it. No way out as well. That makes sense. Yep. Um, Who? Let me think of a question. I just only had eight. Sorry. (laughs) You cheated on the first one. (laughs) Let's go with... Last year's Royal Rumble. Who was the second entrant into the Royal Rumble? Who was second? It's a memorable one because of this person's gimmick. Yeah, it's the sacrificial lamb he was singing. It's Elias. It is Elias. Boom, boom, boom. 
I wouldn't have got that man if he had a toy. <laughs> well, since I, anyway. since I give you a prompt, I'll give you a 7.5 out of 10. 75%. That's B plus, baby. B plus. Well, Spud, pleasure as always. Now let's get on to the podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are back on the podcast. This is the second of three episodes previewing this year's Royal Rumble. So I hope you've had a great holiday period. Hope you had a great Christmas. Happy New Year. I'm back on the podcast. The phenom has vanished. Spud is nowhere to be seen. He may be abducted. We we have no idea. But we will get on the case very, very shortly. And we will provide you with an update once we know ourselves. But I'm your host, I'm Darren Potts. I'm back on the podcast. I'm joined by the Doctor Who loving WrestleMania attending Neil Campbell. Neil, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? You all right? Very, very well. Thank you very much, Neil. Um, first item today, Neil. How's your Christmas? How's your holiday period? And have you seen any wrestling at all during the during the holidays? Uh, Christmas was good, but. I'm thoroughly disappointed that the phenom has vanished. He's done it in Austin in 2002 and taken his ball and gone home. <laughs> uh, uh, Christmas was uh, was good, thanks. Uh, obviously, the best Christmas present being that Arsenal finally won a football match. So, yes, all is good. All is good. And you, did you see any wrestling over the holiday period, over Christmas? Uh, do you know what? Um, I, I think I said to you last week, I was sitting in the, the living room and it just like rolling in the background like and there was a like a Christmas holiday street fight tag match going on which was totally <laughs> absurd but what else would you expect at this time of year but uh, like I said I've watched a few clips of Sammy Zayn on Smackdown and he is absolutely hilarious so yeah a few, few things on Smackdown like not too much to be honest but I, I'm aware of what is going on at the minute Smackdown for me anyway is it's the most consistent show when you have when you take out the the TV breaks and the adverts you've you've about an hour and 20 hour 25 minutes of just solid stuff you know you get your world title in with Roman whatever he's doing you get your women's title in with Banks and whatever she's doing you get your Sami Zayn moment in and you usually get one other thing and that's kind of it and that fills out the show and I think it's good versus Raw, which is just three hours of trying to kill time and trying to build storylines while killing time. For me, it doesn't really work, but that's not why we're here. We're previewing the 2021 Royal Rumble. We talked in the last podcast, we talked about our very favourite Royal Rumble matches and favourite moments from those Royal Rumble matches. We also gave our very early predictions for the Royal Rumble. In podcast three, we will review those predictions and we will give our final predictions. But on this podcast, something I always love about the Royal Rumble, um, I always think there should be a title match at the Royal Rumble. And I'm a bit different from you. And maybe we can give our reasons here why. We haven't planned this, but I'm just going to do it. I still think the title match should go on last after the Rumble. And I know you like the Rumble on last, or last, I think we've talked about this before on WhatsApp or whatever, and you've said that. Um, I like the title match on last because you know who's won the Rumble, and then the big prize is, in my opinion, it's still the belt, and the belt should still be the focus of the show. But for you, I know you like the Rumble match itself. What's your opinion on maybe what match should go on last? No, I think the Rumble match should go on last and then it's the whole guessing game. You know, 
when's he gonna come out and challenge the champion, you know, next night on Raw or SmackDown or whatever. So I uh I like it that the the rumbles on last, albeit, you know, I, I agree with you, you know, your your world title, you know, should be the main event, um at at basically at every opportunity. Uh but you know, even back when I started getting into it, you were talking that the rumble was on last and the world title was sort of like the rumble was like the only pay-per-view that the world title wasn't the main event and i was okay with that because it very rarely happened whereas nowadays you know some of them open the show and all which is absurd but uh no i i'm i'm old school i like the rumble going on last just because it was you know it always happened, and it mainly did. But now, obviously, because there's two rumbles, they sort of have to mix it up and all. But, but no, um, for me, the rumble should go on last. I think sometimes, like I'm, I always go back to you know my first viewings as such, and my first ever rumble I ever watched was '98, and Austin won that rumble, but Taker and Shawn Michaels in a casket match me and evented. And for me, that oh, I always find that the first time I ever do something, I wouldn't say always, but it often sets a precedent. And from there, I've always wanted the Rumble to be last. But 2000, the Rumble went on last. Even 99, the Rumble went on last. And 2001, it went on last and so on. So there have been little instances, albeit if we look at 2013, you know, they did put the Rock and Punk on last. I think sometimes, um, I guess maybe depending on the match itself and the stakes and who's involved, you can put the title match on last, as you say. I just prefer it to be on last, but if you're doing like a false finish or a screwy finish or, you know, Triple H, Scott Steiner type thing from 2003, I think you kind of need the Rumble to be last. So I, I, I do take your point on that. Um, on to the next point, Neil. Just matches at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view themselves. You know, sometimes we get caught up with the Rumble, which is inevitably what the pay-per-view is about, but there has been some brilliant matches at the Rumble in general. Um, is there any off the top of your head that just stick out? You know, they don't have to be in order, but just specific matches that, that, that jump out at you? Yeah. Lowdown against Kayantai on Heat before the Rumble 2001. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what? I guess the thing, like, I find with a lot of Royal Rumbles, especially back in the day, that a lot of the matches that were on beforehand were just filler, and for a lot of the time there wasn't, there weren't very good. But then every so often you get a classic. So, like even looking back at a variety of different rumbles and like you know rumble pay per views itself, to me you might get one cracking match, and the rest are sort of you know bog standard. But there's one that stands out for me in recent years. And it was the triple threat between Brock Lesnar, John Cena, and Seth Rollins. It was Rumble 2015. And it was really, really good. Really, really good. Uh, in fact, I would go as far as saying it would have been a match of the year contender. It was really, really, really good. And Brock sells so well. Cena's Cena. It was sort of, to me... Rollins had been on that run. He had, he still had the Money in the Bank contract, which, in a sense, why is he in a title match when he already has the contract? It doesn't make any sense. But it was that sort of point where you sort of felt Rollins was coming of age, where he was now being placed in the matches against the big dogs of the company. Um, and 
like his performance in it was exceptional. You know, with some of the spo- uh, spots and stuff. So that that's a match for me where I always think, you know, I was watching it. We were all at the fly that night watching it, and I'm pretty sure you were there as well. Actually. Yeah. And, yeah. Was. And it was it, it, you were gripped watching it. You were like, well, this is actually really good. And yeah. then Lesnar pulled the win out of the bag, but he was put through the barricade by Cena, and then at one point. He was through uh, a table as well. Yes, I think he did. Yeah, and then there was also. I always think he sells uh, Rollins' curb stomp really well. And then I think did Lesnar hit John Cena with a, a couple of AAs or not AAs, F5s as well. Like it was, it was a really good match. I, I, I saw yeah, JMJ security running and Cena hit them with the attitude adjustment at the same time. That was a good spot. Yeah, I, I agree with you in terms of Rollins because Rollins had had that, it was the turn on the shield the previous year. It was the money in the bank. He was caring about the money in the bank and he was kind of toying with that main event spot. And I think this match was probably the one that everyone went, okay, he can be the guy. Um, it was really a bit of a coming out party for Rollins. Even in defeat, it didn't really matter. Um, I think as well, it really put him on that road to WrestleMania and he went on WrestleMania with Orton and then won the belt and stuff. But that match... Um, I actually had read an article on favourite Royal Rumble matches of, of all time, and this Royal Rumble match was put up as possibly the best WWE match in decades. Don't know if I would agree with that, but um, but certainly it was an absolutely brilliant match. And then there was that crazy snowstorm, remember? And they couldn't even do the Raw the next night. It was cancelled. So they'd done everything from Titan Tower, and they replayed this match and replayed the Rumble, and... Raw viewers, right. Raw's viewers were actually really, really high, even though it was a repeat of what was on the night before. But everyone right. was ranting That's and raving right. about it. But something you said about Lesnar, and I, I, I love Lesnar, but I think his selling is so underrated, and I think it might be right now the best in the wrestling business. I know he's probably he's kind of out of the business right now for the last couple of months at least, anyway. I think Brock Lesnar as a seller is phenomenal. And if you're a good worker, and if he thinks you can be a top star, and if he thinks there's money in you, he will put you over. And I, I think that's underrated from Brock at times. I really do. I think Brock's superb. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't think he gets as much credit as he deserves either. You know, people just think, oh, he hates wrestling, he can't be bothered, all this sort of carry-on. But, I mean... I'll, like, I'll be honest, I am not a fan of, you know, Brock's the champion. And so I'm a fan of Brock being champion, but when he is the champion and they'll maybe give somebody new a shot against him and it's just a squash match, I don't like that. I think yeah, that's I agree. stupid. I think, I think it's okay doing that once in a blue moon on like a Raw or SmackDown against some dopey challenger. Like, I don't know. Like, like Spike Dudley comes out and challenges Brock Lesnar. Not going to happen, obviously, but I'm just using that as an example. I, I'm not a fan of the squash matches, especially what happened to Kofi Kingston. But Brock, like, it's it's not him. This like what? It's not him deciding to do that. Like, I'm sure he would prefer to like actually do a bit of wrestling. Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? Chance to throw people about. But even in that match, you know, he sells the move so well. Like, but even. In the weeks leading up to that match, uh, it was the week before, I think, and they had the contract signing, and they had the three of them, and obviously Hayden was in the ring, and the authority was in the ring. But then Brock, I always laugh, 
Brock is very, what's the word? Like brash movements. If you yeah. watch, there's a scene where Cena and Rollins start attacking each other and then Brock is just standing there and he's in the background and if you watch his movement, it's just the way he throws the belt and just runs over and just to start throwing people about. It always just makes me laugh about him. And But even, like, I always think he's the best at selling the curb stomp. I, I've always thought that. He's yeah. he's really good at it. And whenever he sells it, I think there was the, like, he had a match against AJ Styles at Survivor Series in 2017, I think. Yeah. And it was a brilliant match. And Brock really sold that, is it the calf crusher? Calf that crusher, AJ yeah. Styles? Yeah, he, and he really sold that for him and really helped put him over. Like, I know, so, you know what else about that? And I know we're not really going to be touching on Survivor Series and his match with AJ, but you know what? And it sort of emphasizes our point about Brock. When Brock won that match with AJ, he hobbled up the ramp. He was still selling the calf thing after the match. And that's something that's so, so missed in wrestling today is the actual art of the storytelling. Um, and people like would say, oh, but the match itself and the story was great. In my opinion, the story is on the night anyway. I it, I would actually include the build-up, but on the night, it's from when that person walks out of the ramp, walks out behind the curtain under the ramp, until they go back behind the ramp. That's the story. It's not just the bell. The bell. Um, and Lesnar's phenomenal at that. Um, and one of the things I like about Brock, and I think it sets him apart, especially from today's, and I'm not really trying to have a go at today's product or today's stars, but... A lot of these guys today, you can tell it's very planned, organized, choreographed, their promos, how they stand, how they talk, how they hold a microphone. Whereas, as you said about Brock, sort of like just chucks the belt behind him and goes, he's very natural. And that's what's so, I think, captivating about him as a star. You know, when you look at him, um, even coming out um, when he won Money in the Bank, you know, was it Beast in the Bank or something they called it? And he had it up, he had his hood up and he had the box up as if it was like a boom box on his shoulder. He was sort of dancing out to the ring. You know, that to me all seemed very natural rather than choreographed, if, if you know what I'm trying to say. Oh, see the, I know we are totally going off on a tangent here, but see the, it's to me it's still, it's one of the best clips of, and it's not even a wrestling match in years. And I think I know, you know what I'm going to say, is that scene where Seth Rollins comes out and Brock has the the money in the bank and uh, Paul Heyman starts reading the contract and Lesnar just turns around and grabs it and goes, I've got a year, cash in! And he starts slapping Heyman. Didn't you know? No, I didn't know! But the thing is, would you be surprised if Brock didn't know? Yeah. Uh, but no, but even going back to the initial triple threat we're talking about there you can actually see at the end of that match Brock obviously wins but he sells it so well because you know he's, he's hurt you know because he has been you know, put through the barricade and stuff and all and uh, he, he does sell it really well in the end there yeah another Lesnar match I think was underrated at the Rumble and it's against someone you don't particularly like I can't remember if it was 2018 or 2019 Finn Balor Lesnar for the belt another you know smaller person who people didn't really think had a chance um, Balor won a fatal four-way, I believe, on the on Raw a couple of weeks before to get a chance, and again in defeat. Lesnar made him look like a million dollars, probably better than any booking has done for Balor in the main roster his entire run. You know, one yeah. one losing attempt. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not like I'm not a fan of Finn Balor. 
Um, but again, the thing that was refreshing about that matchup was that it was something that hadn't happened before. So people were invested in it. And like you said, it seems to be that if Brock is up against like smaller people, the likes of Styles, Ballard, Dan O'Brien, it seems to bring out the best in him. And again, that was a decent match as well. Um, but you always knew Brock was going to win that. Like, but um, it, it, again, like you know, he he made Ballard look like a credible threat, and um, yeah. which is something that I think a lot of people would have always said. How can Finn Ballard be your world champion? You know, he's he's very he's he's tiny compared to the likes of Brock Lesnar. But then said that most people are, but. Um, <laughs> But even like the one, do you remember he had the match against Ricochet over in Saudi Arabia? Yeah, that's there. the one you were referencing earlier. Where it's just a yeah, random squash. I, I didn't like that. I thought it, I thought it was a good idea to have them have the match. Like it's refreshing. Like, but he can put on a match for about ten minutes. Like that's that's all it's needed. It doesn't have to be a squash match. Like yeah. But again, you're saying about Drew or sorry Drew Brock Selm, and you know and help put people over. You saw the clip yourself, everyone has, and then there was an interview with Drew McIntyre, and he said on that, he did an interview that whenever he uh, attacked Brock on Raw, yeah, Brock was on the ground and was like, take the belt, take the belt, you know, and lift it up and stuff, and he says that really helped him, you know, sort of, you know, with their feud, you know, he felt like, well, Brock really wants to help me here and stuff and all, which is, yeah. I don't think really Brock gets the credit for that. Yeah, 100%. Um, I know people hate the idea of, of Lesnar and Goldberg, but you know that squash match Survivor Series was all Lesnar's idea because he knew there was more money to be made, and whether we like it or not, and I disagree with the title being on the line at that mania, I didn't think they needed it. They could do the match, and it's fine. They didn't need the belt. But just even having the idea of, like, there's money to be made here, and this is a match, let's do it. You know, there's something cool about that. Um, whereas maybe some of the other guys, and again, I'm not trying to, you know, hammer people. Maybe they don't have ideas and they just kind of do what they're told. But you mentioned someone earlier with a match with Brock, AJ Styles, and I want to talk about Styles and Cena from 2017. Um, phenomenal match. Probably, I think maybe their SummerSlam one might have been slightly better. I don't know. I can't. I can't, I can't decide. But brilliant match. Um, given what happened with the belt at the next pay per view, I thought the outcome was poor. Um. I didn't think that should have been seen as 16th title reign if he was going to drop the belt three weeks later at um, Elimination Chamber or whatever it was. Um, but certainly a, a phenomenal match. Um, and usually any match with AJ Styles in it is very, very good. And Cena himself is, you know, a phenomenal wrestler and storyteller, really. Yeah, well, again, like, I mean, at the time, it sort of felt like Cena would came back and it went, oh, we'll give him the title here, you know, just to equal that record, which is fine if it's done correctly, but given that he dropped the belt only a matter of weeks later to Bray Wyatt, it was totally pointless after they put on a classic. Yeah. And if they were going to do, like, you see, to be honest, what, so AJ Styles fought... Was it Shane McMahon at that WrestleMania? Yep. And John Cena fought The Miz with Nikki Bella. Yeah. Maurice also been it. I mean, that's a stupid match. Like, but uh, if they were going to do another AJ Styles Cena match, why did they not just save it for WrestleMania and people would have loved it? They, they wouldn't have cared that Cena won. Yeah, agree. It, it would have been a great match. Like, that's what should have happened. I mean, 
What was it? Was uh, it was Randy Orton Bray Wyatt the dog? Yeah, well, I mean that was a thing. Like Cena dropped the belt to Wyatt within th- what four weeks, three weeks, and then a couple of weeks Maybe. later, Wyatt dropped the belt to Orton. It was just like a hot potato, pointless type of thing. And Orton's um, feud with Wyatt got sort of personal in the sense that he was friends with them and then he burnt down Bray Wyatt's shed or whatever that place was. Uh, Bray Wyatt's gar- <laughs> gardening gear went up in smoke and they were, you know, that, that was another one similar to, you know, Goldberg Lesnar. It just didn't need the belt. Um, no, it, it didn't at all. They should have uh, had style seen it. But I'm sure if anyone that was at the Royal Rumble wouldn't have minded the fact that it was on there because yeah. I mean that style seen it for me as a WrestleMania match. Hundred percent, especially after how good their SummerSlam one was. You know, I think you already seen how good it would have been. Um, another one for me and a very famous one. I'm sure you'll like this one as well. Was Triple H Cactus Jack 2000? Yeah, um, that was you know when I was getting into wrestling, and I mean I don't think I don't think it would be a proper Royal Rumble match podcast you know if um you didn't mention it and um, it's sort of like i suppose it's sort of seen too it's like the go-to wwe title match ever and um, people always talk about it and sort of around that time it really did sort of run that phase it was sort of like make or break triple h i suppose and you know it really helped elevate him to like the next level um which was you know something you've always got to give mick foley credit for like and there's obviously you know the spots with you know the thumbtacks and stuff so yeah. it, it is uh it's a classic, uh, which is also just maybe think of another match of Mick Foley's involved in at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, um, I was going to say, we'll, we'll come to that in a second, but I want yeah. to just make this point was, in my opinion, this is probably the go-to street fight in wrestling, period. Oh, I Yeah, yeah. Most memorable. Yeah, yeah, agree. But well, let's, let's keep up with the incredible violence and go to one of your favourites against mankind it was the great one in 1999 was that the one you were about to bring up yeah yeah but again there's it's it's sort of one there again with mick foley most people will mention the triple h one uh but then you obviously have one from the year before against the rock and you know you're never going to get mick foley to quit so the fact that came up with that ploy you know with the microphone <laughs> it's so ridiculous but what a classic and then again mick foley that, that i think that really helped legitimize the rock as well yeah i thought i thought i thought it helped legitimize both of them really oh yeah absolutely yeah and and then i suppose they're able to play on that you know down the line when they form the rock and sock connection but i mean some of the chair shots foley took in that one against the rock holy smokes like (laughs) i mean well, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say anything controversial. Well, like, it's funny. Like I, I watched it back. I say recently. It was a couple of months ago now. But I watched it back, and you know, I, I did wince a few times at some of those chair shots. That, that was rough. You know, there was that's, no. That's what I mean, it's wild. You, you, you definitely wouldn't be able to do that nowadays. Like. No, no, absolutely not. It's, um, but it's I. That's what I mean. Like, I mean, if me or you took a, a chair shot like that, I mean, we'd, we'd probably be in hospital for about six months. <laughs> Retired from life. Like exactly. How you can't get fully credit some of the bumps that man took for it. How are you still alive? I do not. Should be his next book. Hi, I'm still alive by Mick Foley. Exactly. The same. The same pay per view. Um, I think it was the Hardys, the Dudleys. I can't remember if it was a. I think it was a tables match. Was it at the at the at that Rumble? It was a very good match for the tag titles. 
<laughs> let's be honest, every match from around 99 to 2001 that involved the Dudleys or the Hardys and Edge and Christian was always like, was always like a tables match or something. Was there ever a match like like a legit tag team match ever? Probably not. It's, it's <laughs> funny. Week. It's, it's funny because I would look at it now, you know what I mean, and I look at some of the pay per views to do now, and I look at. And I know we've been critical of it. You know, Hell in the Cell and TLC and them being pay-per-views annoys me and being big events annoys me. Um, whereas you look at that Royal Rumble 2000 and you had a tables match and you also had a street fight on the same card and it was fine and it worked. Um, yeah. I just find when you kind of try and gimmick an event and then all of a sudden just pigeonhole whatever feuds are going on into this type of match, it just doesn't work for me. Comparatively, when you look back to maybe what was a successful formula, in my opinion, where you could have multiple violent matches in the same night, depending on the program and the feud. This is a thing that they've even sort of tried to like repackage the War Rumble in the sense that they're bringing it over to Saudi Arabia and having the greatest War Rumble. It's just like, no, don't mess with the War Rumble. What's not fixed? If it's not fixed, sorry, what am I talking about? <laughs> if it's not, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And the fact that I mean that greatest war rumble as a gimmick, clear off. Yeah. Nonsense. Like, well, what, you, you, you got you got a belt for it, right? Well, it's just thrown in the bin straight away. Yeah. I guess don't. To me, that I I always thought that greatest war rumble that completely undermined the actual war rumble. Yeah. You know, they try to say, oh, Braun Strowman is the most eliminations and all. It's like, well, there's an extra, like, 10 people in the Rumble. So, actually, hold on. Was there an extra 20 people? Uh, yeah, it was 20. Man? It was a 50-man yeah. Rumble. Yeah. If me or you, after that, I'm sure we could chuck somebody out. Like, I mean, there's that many people in it. I guess, yeah. nah, don't, don't, don't fix what's not broken, guys. Like, this you should not do that at all. And, the, and the, the thing is, right, you're talking about the greatest Royal Rumble of ever you know the only memorable moment from it was Titus O'Neil falling under the ring really you know everyone knows Braun won it and he won a belt but I couldn't even tell you who he threw out to win it I think it was Baron Corbin actually <laughs> was, I, I have no clue yeah. I'm like I don't, I don't. Titus O'Neil was the, was, was the meme of that Royal Rumble the greatest Royal Rumble ever and it's known for a comedy spot <laughs> exactly <laughs> here, that, here that got them over because a lot of people tuned in just to see that like, that's so. true um, there's a lot of people that think he deliberately did it I'm like nah I don't think so like, nah there's no chance like <laughs> but um, see you're, you're like sorry you're, you're talking there about you know some of the Royal Rumble uh, obviously Royal Rumble matches on the pay-per-view not the actual match yeah. do you ever remember it was John Cena was defending the World Heavyweight Championship against JBL at the Royal Rumble 2009 and Shawn Michaels was like in JBL's employ, and Shawn Michaels super kicked both or switched the music both Cena and JBL, but JBL lost. Like we obviously knew he would, but it was the whole you're meant to help me win the title and stuff. I own you, Shawn Michaels, not because you're bankrupt and all this nonsense. Um, <laughs> But Cena still won, but he like switched the music the pair of them. Like, I always yeah. thought that was a quite a comedic match as well. Shawn and Michaels, what, I mean, it's Shawn Michaels, you know. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things too where I'm looking at it and going, when you look at someone of Shawn Michaels and the career Shawn Michaels had, he should have never been in that spot. It should have been someone they were trying to get over, not an established top star that could literally go into any match he felt like and be legitimate. <laughs> but um, 
I've an interesting question for you before we move on to a couple of other matches. Um, it's maybe similarly to we talked about it with AJ Styles and John Cena. Great match, in my opinion, the wrong man won, and the match was maybe not even the wrong man won, but the match just shouldn't have been at that pay per view personally. Um, but would the wrong outcome of a match, in your opinion, would that take the match down or turn you off from a match? Um, For example, let me use an example. Let's go with The Rock, CM Punk 2013. We were all busting to see The Rock back. The build-up was great. Punk was red-hot as a hail. Rock was coming in as a face. We all thought Punk's going to retain, and it's going to lead to probably a triple threat or something at Mania, which is what should have happened, realistically. But business sense, and Vince McMahon took over that he was just fixed on The Rock and Cena, given the numbers of the year before. But I enjoyed that match, enjoyed everything about it, but I thought I didn't like the outcome. Not that I didn't like Rock as champ, I just felt... They could have pushed that program on a bit more. Yeah, well, you know me, I I love The Rock, but even you know when he he came back for the Rumble, I I thought he should have lost, but he should have lost by by like you know a screwy finish, and then that would have meant they could have had a rematch at the next pay per view, um, which they did do anyway. So, like to me, I agree with you wholeheartedly. There it should have been. For me, Punk retains by a screw finish. Rock gets the rematch at Elimination Chamber. Rock beats Punk. Cena wins the Rumble. And then Punk's like, well, I have a rematch. Clause, or, you know, I get an automatic rematch because of that clause. So, triple threat. Yeah. Game set match. If Cena wins the belt, that's fine. But everybody wins then. You've got Punk's in the main event. And which... I mean, if I had done that, he might still have been there a few years later, but that's another story from our time. <laughs> It'd have been Punk gets his main event, Cena wins the belt back, which is obviously what they do, and you've got The Rocks there as well, and The Rock is obviously a transitional champion, which is what the, he was anyway. Yeah. Like, so why not just throw Punk in there, and everyone's happy. Yeah, um, I agree. But it's... Uh, 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 I've only had a time machine, eh? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, another one of our favourite matches. Um, I know it's definitely one of yours. Um, from, in my opinion, you know, we there, there was the gimmick, the greatest Royal Rumble ever. It wasn't because the greatest Royal Rumble ever in terms of the Royal Rumble match, in terms of the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, everything about the Royal Rumble 2001 was the best. The ladder match between Chris Jericho and... He who shall be named, but we don't really want to. Chris Benoit, 2001. Phenomenal. Phenomenal match. Well, I thought you were going to talk about Ivy versus China for the Women's Championship there. <laughs> yeah, listen, I like. I mean, that's the thing, you know, obviously because of what's happened with Benoit. Like, you know, a lot of his work, you know, from back to death sort of just like scrubbed over now. But him and Jericho, anytime they wrestled, they wrestled before SummerSlam 2000 and a a really good match as well. And um, so anytime them two got together, it was generally gold and that ladder match was superb. Um, yeah, you mean, like you know, you two two big two big names fighting for the Intercontinental title. Yeah. Two big names who you, you knew could go into the main event or were were on route to the main event. And that's it, even you know, before that it's sort of like Benoit got a title shot at Philly though two thousand. Jericho had, you know, sort of was getting title shots every so often on Raw and win that and then was stripped of the belt. You know, so they were both sort of in and around, you know, the upper echelons of the card. So yeah. there were two guys that, you know, you knew that were gonna 
like were going to main event, you know, yeah. consistently after that. Like so, it, it was just a uh, it was a phenomenal ladder match. Yeah, we keep saying phenomenal. We've used it quite a lot here. Like so, <laughs> the phenomenal uh, podcast, the phenomenal podcast this time. Exactly, uh, but them two put on a, an absolute clinic in that match. It, yeah. it, you would probably say it's one of the, the greatest ladder matches of all time, but because of you know who's involved. Uh, because of who's involved in events that unfolded further down the line, it's it's one that will be for probably forgotten about to be honest. Yeah, and we talked about as well, um, you know, in 1999, some of those chair shots between The Rock and Cactus Jack, or The Rock and Mick Fo- or Mankind, sorry, but there was that chair shot when Ben Watt done the dive through the ropes that was equally as wincing and equally as like ooh, in that match. Yeah, exactly, it's 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 actually. Some of those chair shots, it's painful to watch. Yeah. So if it's painful to watch, imagine how painful it was to actually get smacked over the head with them. Yeah. Like, like even now I'm skits crawling how sore it must have been like. Um, another one of my favourite matches um, at the Rumble, and I don't know if you've seen this one because it is from '98, and it's it's one of my favourite feuds and programs possibly ever because of how well it got both guys over, um, and they ran with it right from the end of '97 all the way through the mania in 98 and then even into the king of the ring it was the rock and shamrock for the ic belt where the rock was constantly cheating to keep the belt away from shamrock and shamrock was like feuding with the entire nation and every time he got rid of the nation there was always some other scheme and the rumble was the rock nailed them with brass knucks and i can't remember if, if shamrock kicked out or not but i remember at the time the ref was knocked out and the rock shoved the brass knucks and shamrock's tights and then Don and Eddie Guerrero <laughs> pretended that he hit him and the ref then DQ'd Shamrock <laughs> and it was it was a brilliant little schemey thing but their program went all the way through to Wrestlemania where even then Shamrock finally got the win but then after after the match he was just so irate with everything the Rock had done to him he just he wouldn't let him go with the ankle lock and beat him up up the aisle and the Rock had blood coming out of his mouth and sold it like a million dollars and Shamrock then attacked him when he was being carried out in the hospital, in the little wheelie bed from the paramedics and the reverse the decision the rock still left with a belt it was just phenomenal story telling did you ever see that match well it's a bit before my time but i have i have saw but that's the thing simple booking see if you have simple booking you can't go wrong all yeah. these convoluted storylines and over complicating pl- the plots and all that sort of stuff see if you just keep it simple baby face heel heel cheats continually and then eventually it makes its way to Wrestlemania and then the heel gets to come up you can't go wrong it's like Edge Edge in like 2008 yeah it was just pretty much running away from the Undertaker for like a year <laughs> pretty much and you know eventually got his comeuppance you know I think it was summer well he lost at Wrestlemania but then obviously got the belt back but he uh, you remember he, he had the match at SummerSlam 2008 with Undertaker but it was just like Edge that's when you're saying there are things that The Rock was doing with Shamrock, it just reminds me of Edge later on, and eventually would get his come up on six. So that's same with The Rock and Shamrock. I mean, yeah. Again, you're laughing, you know. Like you don't even now, like as I said, it's very rare now you'll get you know like a stacked Royal Rumble pay-per-view card. It's usually just filler matches for me. But back then, like you know, The Rock's The Rock, like and. Ken Shamrock was legit. Like, I mean, you're laughing. Some of the stuff you would have got in the car back then, like that's that's unbelievable. Like, yeah, and The Rock was such a good slimy heel that he made it to the 
final two of that year's Rumble against the top baby face Austin to get chucked out. And ironically, in that Rumble as well, he also chucked out Shamrock. <laughs> Well, there you go. You know, there you go. Just... That's that's another thing. See there, like you know about you know you're saying about people like having matches and then being in the rumble and all that sort of stuff as well. Like that's something that that has annoyed me in later years. You know, for me, if you're on the card but you're on a match, you shouldn't be in the rumble. That's my opinion. I know that's probably kind of old school there. Like, do you remember Roman Reigns a couple of years ago? I, didn't, I, I don't mind it. I actually don't mind it. But I think if that's going to happen, there should be some sort of selling or reference to the earlier match. Like, for example, when The Rock screwed Shamrock in 98, when Shamrock came into the Rumble, he just threw people out of the way to get to The Rock and was like just going crazy to get him. You know, I, I don't mind that. But I think I agree to your point. If the person's in a title match and if the title match is before the Rumble, they shouldn't be in the Rumble. Albeit if it's a really sneaky heel you know, they could kneel someone and take their spot type thing. I'm fine with things like that, but it can't be that every year that needs to be set apart, you know, for specific specific people, specific times. You know, for example, let's use The Miz for Toxic. Say The Miz was in against Drew at this year's Rumble in the title match, and he lost, you know, and then into the Rumble comes, out comes Ricochet, and as Ricochet's running you know, standing, posing on the ramp, Miz and Morrison up here, beat him up, chuck him off the ramp, whatever, and then the Miz enters the rumble. I'm fine with stuff like that because it fits the character. But yep. I, I wouldn't do it every year and I wouldn't do it all the time. Do you see whenever Reigns did it in 2017, like he lost the title match um, against Kevin Owens, like Braun Strowman interfered. Yeah. And then it's like he showed up as number 30 and it was like, are you deliberately putting Reigns in this position for fans to hate him even more. Yeah. And Because it, it, it didn't serve its purpose. And I, I know, obviously, he chucked The Undertaker out, which then, like, annoyed the fans even more. Like, <laughs> but, like, why? Like, do you know what, you know what you're saying there earlier on? In fact, it's something you touched on about, you know, the outcomes of matches and stuff and how, you know, can it, can it, like, influence, like, whether or not you've liked the match or whatever? When, if you sort of escalate that, you know, onto the actual like fan base, take 2014, you yeah. had that Bray Wyatt, Daniel Bryan match, and people thought, right, Bryan's going to come out at number 30 here, because, you know, because he broke away from the Wyatt family and all that sort of stuff, and he didn't come out at number 30, and it was Rey Mysterio, and the fans just went mental and just booed everyone in the ring, apart from Roman Reigns, ironically. Yeah. And, so like it 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 go like somebody that's a bit more middle of the road like yourself or me or Scott or whatever isn't gonna like lose their shit you know if if something doesn't go right in a wrestling match but when you get the the marks or the smarks that are like you know so invested in it you know they would they would kick off obviously which is exactly what happened in 2014 and 2015. Yeah, it's it's ironic that you say that and you bring up the Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt match because I think it opened the show and it was brilliant match to be fair it was excellent yeah um, it was the fans were really excited for daniel bryan pulling away from the wyatts and getting you know hit, giving bray wyatt his comeuppance as such um you know there's that really cool dive he dived onto the outside i think wyatt caught him the sister abigail it was just like the timing was amazing but as you rightly said how good it was destroyed the rumble match <laughs> 
yeah, this is it. Like, I mean, and even the, the Rumble the following year, 2015 was a disaster as well. Yeah. Again, because of the whole Daniel Bryan situation. Yeah. Um, and then 2016, well, 2016 was a good Rumble, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but again, had Roman Reigns got to the final two, it, it probably would have kicked off. But the fact he got eliminated, sure, he got eliminated and the fans were all loving it. Yeah. It's like, right. this is your champ. <laughs> yeah. And the big heel who was supposed to get him over as a baby face when he won, the place is going mad. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, the, 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 I, I, think we, I think we may have touched on it on the previous yeah. Yeah, we uh, did. Rumble podcast. I just, they, they were doing, like, they wanted to make Reigns the number one guy, didn't do it organically. Don't, like, the things that, it's as if they're trying to undermine him at the same time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, if, like, don't, like the 2050, well, I know we're going off on a tangent again, but the 2015 Rumble, see if they hadn't had a, have Daniel Bryan come out like a couple weeks before and say he's entering the Rumble, nobody would have batted an eyelid. But because yeah. they did that, they all kicked off when he got eliminated, which was, I think, by Bray Wyatt again, was it? I think it was. Might have been, yeah. And then yeah. if they had just kept him for after that, then nobody would have been annoyed. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Um, another match that I want to talk about, and I know this one will be um, a bit before your time, but it was the 1994 Rumble. It was Bret and Owen versus the Quebecers, and I always like a match that has something to keep you hooked to the next show or the next event, and in this case, it went to WrestleMania. You know, Bret and Owen had a little bit of animosity between them. They wanted to win the tag belts as brothers. And I think a lot of people at the time thought, oh, they're going to win the tag belts and then they're going to lose the tag belts and then feud. And Brett had an injured leg, as the story goes, in this match. And he had one of the guys set up for the sharpshooter. And Owen was screaming for the tag, even though Brett's leg was injured. He was like, no, 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 I got this. And he went for the sharpshooter. And Owen then got really frustrated because he didn't get tagged in. And he kicked the sore leg of Brett out and um from there they lost the match and that went all the way to wrestlemania for one of probably the best ever wrestlemania matches and i think that's a very underrated royal rumble match purposely because it was a decent match but the finish and the build elevates that match a lot more than just the match itself um like i said i like something that has a story to keep you invested to the next show or the next event and i touched on it with the rock and shamrock um, another one, which I'm assuming we'll both love, was 2003, Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. Yeah, um, with regards to your previous, you know, with the hearts and stuff, that is a bit before my time, but I appreciate, you know, all the stuff that, that Bret Hart did. I've watched his, you know, his, his Broken Skull special and stuff. Which way was that match built? Was it Quebec against Montreal or whatever in the build-up, or was it just like... I think at the Quebecers, I think they are actually from Quebec, or are they like not actually from there? To be honest, I'm not actually sure. Um, but um, it was more so they were just the tag champs, and Owen and Brett wanted, you know, or they were like, let's let's what they had a bit of animosity the year before, and they decided to put it to the side and chase tag belts and win it as brothers. And like I said, I, I thought they were going to win the tag belts, and I think a lot of people did too. And then you do the inevitable tag champions break up and then feud i don't think many people expected owen to cost them the match and to go that way so i thought it was good in that in that sense isn't it mad to think that that's 26 years ago nearly 27 years ago yeah scary isn't it it's scary 
but yeah, 2003, again, similar to what was said earlier on about Benoit and Jericho. Anytime Angle and Benoit, you know, got together for a wrestling match, it was always gold. Yeah. Because they're both, they were both like outstanding amateur wrestlers. Yeah. So, and both very technically gifted at it as well. So, you know, they always, they were two fellas that always brought the best out of each other as well. Yeah. And one of the things I liked about that match was, I thought it was very obvious, Angle just won the belt, I know, at previous pay-per-view, so I don't think there was too much people believing he could lose it, albeit they did do a little bit of a hot potato with the belt before that. You know, Lesnar beat The Rock, kept it for four months, three months, dropped at the Big Show, a month later Big Show dropped at the Angle, but inevitably it was all being set up for Angle-Lesnar, which was the main event at Mania that year, and I think a lot of people kind of knew that, so I don't think anyone really was too you know surprised by the result but the match itself was amazing what i always loved about that match was the actual i don't know if this was planned or not but after the match was over angle had left and they cut the an interview or a promo or something or i can't remember what sort of happened but um as benoit is leaving the mat, uh leaving the ring he sort of stands up in the ring to leave and the whole place just stands up and applauds and they actually the commentators start talking about it being like these twenty thousand fans Loved that match. Loved everything Benoit gave for them. He came so close. And a good thing I like too about certain finishes. Benoit made Angle look strong in the sense that Angle didn't just beat him and it wasn't screwy. Benoit tapped clean and it, and it didn't even weaken Benoit because of the match. And Angle looked strong as a heel. Yeah. Well, Benoit was the best um, technical wrestler. Like, so he was always going to bounce back from him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But he, but even when they feuded a couple of years before that at WrestleMania, Angle won by cheating. And then, do you remember Benoit attacked him backstage after? And Angle was like, I, I never top out. No. And then he's backstage tapping out on the ground. And then <laughs> I think they had, didn't they have a, an Iron Man sub, submission match? Wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah. I think that might have been yeah. at um, Backlash or one of the other people. Yeah, was, yeah, it, was Mania just have, a singles, I think? Mania was a singles match. Backlash, I'm pretty sure, was one of the matches a, a two out of three falls match and then the other one was an Iron Man submission match. There's something along those lines I'd have to check, but yeah. I, remember I, I, think, and one, I think it is. I think, I think one was on Backlash and one was on a Judgment Day and I'm pretty sure... Benoit won them both. I, I yeah, could be wrong, could, but I yeah, think he did. I honestly can't remember. <laughs> I think he did. But yeah, that's I mean. They always put on a wrestling kind of like, you know, as, what what else would you expect? It would be, uh, I suppose it would be like an equivalent to nowadays. Who would you say? Maybe like AJ Styles against Daniel Bryan, maybe? Something like yeah. that, something similar. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you'd have to. You know, there's probably a couple of other guys on the roster that could do the job, you know, as good or close to Daniel Bryan and AJ and that's the likes of your Finn Balors and your maybe Adam Coles and stuff like that but certainly with the star power and the drawing ability I think you kind of have to go Styles and Bryan I will NXT doesn't count so you know what I mean here we go here we go here's all the trolls um, any other matches that stick out to you um, I've kind of lost off the top of my head other matches now Um Nothing what else really the, come to mind. What about the last man stand? The match in 2004 between Triple H and Shawn Michaels. 
Oh, absolutely brilliant. And I actually followed up from one of their best matches ever, underrated matches from a go-home episode of Raw in December. I think it was just before Christmas or just before the New Year. They had a phenomenal match on Raw and this followed it up. That was phenomenal. Completely slipped my mind, that one. Well, this is it. Like, I mean, you know, you're saying there about, like, storylines and what it leads to and stuff. That match, that all fed into the whole Benoit thing because... That match between Triple H and Shawn Michaels was a draw. It was for the world title. It was a draw. Yeah. Um. And then because of that, you had um. Obviously, it led into Shawn Michaels being able to get his rematch then, because he said you didn't actually beat me. You know, we drew, so I deserve a title shot, and that's how he managed to get into the triple threat. So that yeah. played out as being sort of long term booking, not just a stupid result for the sake of it, which actually doesn't mean anything in the long run. Yeah, and they went on to that Hell in the Cell match, you know, at Bad Blood that year, right the way through, even when Bam, Benoit sort of moved away from Triple H a little bit, you know, it was, I think, feuding with Kane and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, this is, I mean, back then, you know, he had star power was, you know, from top to bottom, like, you know, you could, ha- you could have these boys feuding that need world titles and all that sort of stuff, and they could have feuded for months. Yeah. Um, Another topic I want to touch on, just as we close here, any parts about the Royal Rumble as a pay-per-view in general, and this can be the Rumble match itself, that annoys you. One of the things that always bugs me is every time a big man comes in and it's like the commentators, who's throwing him over the top rope? He has to be the favourite. <laughs> uh, I always remember from the 2001 Rumble, Jerry the King Lawler was annoying me because... One minute he was saying Rikishi was his pick, the next minute it was The Undertaker was his pick, and then the next minute it was Kane was going to win, and then I think when Austin actually did win, he goes, I knew he could do it. It's like, no, you didn't. You've literally <laughs> said every other person apart from him. I always just remember that. That sticks in my head. And then... I, I like that. I thought that was good. You know, you um, I thought it was funny. It, it sort of built into the King character. Um, the funny thing about King, and I assume you, you know this now, but... Um, he used to actually say, don't tell me the result of matches. So when he did respond or react as, as a commentator, it was a surprise well, to him. <laughs> that's good. But that's that's what you want. I mean, I that's agree. how JR was always so good because yeah. he could sell anything. And I'm I'm pretty sure he didn't know that John... I don't think anybody knew John Cena was coming back. Is that true? Went for I, 2008? No, no clue. But I, um... I don't think JR knew about that and he sold it so well. But that's another thing that, you know, that annoys me when you're saying, you know, about commentaries and stuff I hate Michael Cole's commentary you're not the only one (laughs) and whenever he's selling it at the end you know for people winning it's just like mate you're just screaming down the microphone it's not natural you're just screaming shut up (laughs) like that stuff you know that annoys me Um, again like I said one of the things and and again like I like him and I think he's doing some of the it's, it's not some of the best, but he is doing his best of his career at the minute. Roman Reigns, it, it, it seemed to be for many years, Roman Reigns, if he didn't, like, obviously he hasn't won it every year, but he'd be like in the in the final two or final three every year. Yeah. Mix it up. Mix it up. Like, have him thrown out early doors, give somebody a bit of a boost. It seems to be, again, sort of like trying to undermine him in a sense where, oh, if you want to win the Rumble, you have to go through Roman Reigns. And it's like, here we go again. It's yeah. like, mix it up. Like, Reigns what, was runner-up in 14, 
won it in 15. Uh, 2016, he was the champ. So he was in it the whole way through, more or less what it did, the whole ambulance thing. But he was in the final three, 2017. He was last to go, 2018. He was last to go. And then 2019, he wasn't in the Rumble. So, like, every... Uh, sorry, in, in 2020 this year, he was last to go again. Yep. <laughs> It's, you know what I mean? It's sort of like mixing yeah. up for God's sake. Yeah, just like, been different. Under, like an Undertaker back in the day. Yeah. You know, remember the year he got eliminated by Maven? Yeah. Or the year before Rikishi, other... when there was about eight people left. Exactly. I mean, it was one of them things where you would have had a big name, you know, might have went early doors. And that was the whole sort of the mystique about the Royal Rumble where literally anything could happen. But it's now you're just like, well, I can pretty much guarantee he's going to be in the final four. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Any any other anything else? The Royal Rumble that bugs you a little bit. Um, I would ironically, I actually think it might have happened last year, but Kofi Kingston was eliminated normally. <laughs> mm, yeah, first. well, if you had a had Tinsley on this, he would just kick off straight away about about Kofi Kingston's eliminations or false <laughs> eliminations where he managed to survive. Um, I think they've sort of done their bit with that now. I don't know. I think there's no other way that it. Like, what other way is there that he can manage to survive? Like, unless he can actually fly. Yeah. Uh, I really don't think he's going to avoid elimination. Um, don't know. Do you know what? The one that it's, it's sort of, it is a bit of a shame is, do you remember the, again, the 2014 Rumble? Um, just the way CM Punk gets eliminated. Do you know what I just think? It's really poor booking. Like, I forget what happened, to be totally honest with you. Kane. Kane came from behind and like sort of dragged him over the top rope like a chokehold. Awful. Oh, um, was that the one? No, that wasn't the one he was preaching in, was it? No, that's 2010. 2010, okay. No, I, yeah. I, I don't really remember 2014. That's Punk's last match. Mm, okay. So um, he went out in a damn squib. <laughs> Uh, doesn't true. surprise me. I think he was maybe a bit frustrated. I think he said as well he was already being told he was working with Triple H that year. I was like, ugh. Um, I'll tell you, sorry, one thing that annoys me, and I know for a fact you'll agree with it, is it annoys me that for some reason now they seem to try and announce in advance who all's in the War Rumble. I don't like that. It's meant to be a surprise. Like, why? See, in 2014, see if see had they not announced Batista. And he just and, yeah, and he just walks out and during he, the match. People would have loved like like Edge this year. Yeah. You know, if people had a people would have been cheering if Batista had won that rumble. If they hadn't have announced him before and they would have forgot about the Dan LeBrand thing. Yeah. And they would have cheered Batista. I want like, a bit of both. Like if we look back at two thousand and one and two thousand and two, part of the big build for two thousand and two was Austin was in it, Rock was in it, Taker was in it, Kane was in it, everyone was in the Royal Rumble that year and um, they made a big deal like the biggest Royal Rumble ever but I like it to an extent with certain people like this year they've done it with Daniel Bryan I expect them to do it with a couple of people on Raw but I don't want everybody named I think there was a, a yeah. couple of years ago where it showed you a graphic of all 30 people and you're like alright great no surprises <laughs> well this is that was what, again one of the things that was so good about the 2001 Rumble was because you didn't know everyone that was in you knew all the big hitters right? which was what you want but you you didn't know who all was going to be in it. So 
you know, it allowed for a surprise. Like Big Show came back, with nobody yeah. expected that. Haku, like, yeah. where the hell Debuted, did he come yeah. from? Uh, you had the Honky Tonk Man as well. Drew Carey, like wee things like this, and it worked. And then even 2002, Mr. Perfect came back. Yeah, even AJ Styles debuted in one, which was great, although he should have went yeah. right to the very end if he wasn't going to win it. He should have been chucked out, like, round number 16 well, or something. But, um, but again, that was again that was good, and that was that's the thing. They didn't announce Edge, which was great, and that's one of the things that I've been a bit critical of in recent years is because of that, you know, they have all the spaces filled, and now they're like, well, maybe fire up a couple of people from NXT or whatever, which I don't think they should do. Bring back surprises. Like, you remember, was it 2000 and, 2011, was it? And Diesel came back? Yeah. I think. Uh, and then and then Kevin Nash came back uh, a couple of years after with his NWO music and stuff. But uh, if you have it, they'd be all surprised. I mean, what about, like, I don't know, at some stage this year, like, uh, do you know what? I'll put the plug in saying that Spud's not here. Dino Brown comes out. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. People people would pop for that because they haven't saw him in years. Or do you remember a couple of years ago, Bobby Ray Dudley came back and the people in the, in the crowd went mad. Like, do you know what I mean? If something like that happened this year where they had like three or four spaces and I don't know, like a Dino Brown came back or like a foul Venus or the right to censor. Like, do you know, something like that. Like, yeah. People would, lo- people would love it. I, I agree, but I also disagree to an extent in terms of, I don't mind NXT being involved, but if NXT is going to be involved, in my opinion, it should be one person. And that one person gets a decent run in the Rumble, gets maybe to the last four, gets a bit over, and then gets chucked out. Um, I think it should just be one person. I don't think there should be two or three in it. I think a couple of years ago, um, there was Keith Lee... There's a couple this year, and then I think a couple of years previous, Johnny Gargano was in there, and there's another couple from NXT. I think if you're going to do an NXT one, it should just be one person, and they should come in at like number 12, 13, something like that, throw a few people out, last to the last three, four perhaps, then get dumped out and, and move on from there. And that way you give someone a rub. But I would use, as you said, I would use maybe a couple of other spots just for a few pops, you know, along the way. Um, you know, even like. I know Mick Foley entered it a couple of years ago. Santino entered it a couple of years ago. Just for, you know, I don't know who, but you could use different people over the years that were mad over um, in their time period. Rob Van Dam, he came back in 2009. Yep, yep, RVD's another one. Um, you look at someone um, who AEW have, have used, you know, Zack Ryder, but he's not on the permanent contract. He's on an open contract. You know, even Zack Ryder's one-off appearance, something like that. Just someone who's a little bit over um, in some capacity. I know maybe Ryder's not a good example as he was just released this year, but um, especially if you go back five or six years. You know, the Hurricane came in a couple of years ago, I believe. Um, yes, that was good. It was a good pop. That was good. Um, you know, bring back, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of people now off the top of my head. A um, little bit of Road dog, you know, something like that. And he comes in, he's run his mouth on the microphone and gets dumped out of the gets dumped out or something i don't know i'm just throwing you know, out, throwing ideas you know out there do you know who they could bring back and I, do you know what and i hated him as a kid but it wouldn't it would be quite good if they brought x-pac back i was thinking x-pac and i thought you would just start swearing at me <laughs> no no do you know what would be a good one this year who they should bring back just but don't don't announce it in advance just have him come out maybe cut, throw a couple of people out and then somebody chucks him out and gets a huge huge rub 
why not bring John Cena back for a rumble? Yep, 100%. 100%. Bring, bring C- him back. Have him come out as a surprise. Come out about number nine or ten. Throw a couple of people out, like a, a couple of jobbers. Yeah. You know, they all gang up. He throws them out. And then eventually somebody gets a good rub by throwing them out. Like somebody that's sort of like, you know, upper mid card. Yeah. Or, or like, like Keith Lee or Biggie or something yeah. like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, or Sami Zayn. <laughs> yeah, no, Sami Zayn would be amazing. And yeah, I'd be some Sami Zayn could do that. Man. Yeah, no, they wouldn't. It'd be some Sami Zayn could yeah. brag about for, for weeks. I was screwed on the Royal Rumble and I was the one that eliminated John Cena. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Mean, uh, surely, like, I mean, bring Cena back. He only needs to come in, wrestle for about 20 minutes, and then someone throws him out. Job done. Yeah, or even another one I think would get a good pop, especially because people are expecting Edge back this year. The guy to come out after Edge would be very good if it was Christian. That would be good, but I can't see Edge coming back in the Rumble again this year. I think if he's going to come back, he'll come back. And you know, a come back on. or something. Yeah, I can't see him coming back in a Rumble. They've done that last year. It'd be a bit of a waste, I think, this year. Yeah. Especially and, with there being no fans. And in fairness to them last year, and I want to give them a bit of credit here, because at times we do just bury them um, for bad booking, which is probably fair, but last year they... They had NXT the night before and they actually showed Edge on the camera. Uh, Beth Phoenix was commentating and that sort of planted the seeds being like, oh, is Edge back? Because there was little rumours. And then I thought very, very smart that they had the women's on first and they had Beth come out in the women's. And I think that threw a lot of people off the scent that Edge might be coming back. Being like, oh, he's just here to support Beth. <laughs> I thought that was very, well, very smart. Honest, I, I'll be honest. I... Like I don't watch NXT, so I never actually saw that. So I had no idea that Edge was going to come back. Yeah, there were some um, rumors. So I think, nice I think, I think because AEW knew that Edge was training through some friends here over at AEW, there were rumors that AEW had offered him a contract. And you know, when you watch the Edge documentary in the network, and he, he actually says that another wrestling company is obviously referring to AEW offered him a contract I and mean, you know when the people at AEW are very close and friendly with Mr Meltzer there's obviously going to get rumours circulating um, and I think that's sort of what happened people are like oh is Edge coming back Edge coming back and I think they quite smartly booked Edge being there to support Beth and then Beth actually coming out in the women's because I thought it threw a lot of people off a little bit um, the potential of Edge just, here's one why don't they have Dave Meltzer enter as a, as a special guest next month <laughs> I think they'd be worried that one. Of, I think they'd be worried one of the boys would actually <laughs> potato him. <laughs> well, that's why they should. That's why they should have him as a as a surprise entry next month. <laughs> for that to happen. Do you know what actually would be very very funny if they had some random person who's maybe he hasn't even debuted in NXT who's just training in the PC and if there was a crowd there and some clown character who maybe is always buried in the main roster, you know. Kurt Hawkins, for example, I know he's no longer there, but if he was coming out and some person jumps in from the crowd, beats him up and enters the Rumble, but it's actually some guy they're training at the PC, you know, just little variances, little different things. Um, well, here's one for you, actually, now come to think of it, now that you mentioned that. Could you see The Rock's daughter entering the Women's Royal Rumble this year? No, I think it's way too early. Personally. Too early? I, I, I personally think so. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if, if they did pull the trigger. But I personally think it'd be too early. Um, the women's rumble this year would be very interesting. I expect to see at least five from NXT in it. You see that to me, that's sort of what's the word? Not not devalue, but it's sort of it, 
if NXT is sort of saw as a separate brand and they don't want to share pay-per-views and stuff, my opinion is then why the hell should they be in the Royal Rumble? That's the way I look at it. If it was a case of NXT matches were on pay-per-views, like, you know, like your normal pay-per-views, like Backlash or Hell in a Cell or whatever, yeah. then right okay. I'd be If they're in the Rumble, then that's fine. But the fact that they don't want to be on those pay-per-views and they have their own, well, then they shouldn't be in the Royal Rumble. Surely there's 30 women that could get from over the years. Oh, of course there is. There's there's at least there's at least what 10 to 12 on each show right now. You know it's only a little bit. You know. And then you throw in calls. a couple of yeah, Kelly Kelly's and stuff. Yeah. Or or like a Molly Holly or an Ivory or whoever could come back. Like Jacqueline, you know. I'm pretty sure there's a fair few that you could could bring back. The Bellas, Trish Stratus, would you know? Yeah, Melina. Lita. Yeah, Melina's been Lita. announced for Legends Raw. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a, that's a bit far-fetched to call her a legend, like, but... Uh, Batista would have something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> let me guess who's on it. Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, um, Kevin Nash, is he on it as well? I don't know, but Carlito's been announced, and... Um... Oh, that's, but that, no, do you know what? That's good, because, uh, again, but do you know what? See if they had even brought him back, the Rumble next month, as a surprise. Yeah, 100%. That'd be cool. You know, as you just said, let me guess who's on it, you named, you know, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair. Ric Flair was on SmackDown, or not SmackDown, but TLC, because Charlotte was winning the tag bill, and they panned the Ric Flair backstage, cheering on Charlotte. I'm like, oh, that's not really... I mean, he's here every other week. <laughs> Uh, words fail me Potsy I, I don't know how to have these big nights and it's just the same people bring back different people bring back Steve well, why not have Steve Blackman into the rumble yeah yeah the lethal like, weapon Al Snow the lethal weapon Al Snow like the right to censor yeah to not hey like get these boys all back but as you as so you, you were saying people. about you know you don't like NXT and stuff being in the rumble one thing I think NXT did a couple of years ago I think it might have been maybe three, four years ago now. It might even be more than that. I think they had like a tournament or something or like a big field four-way the night before and the winner got to go into the Rumble. I don't mind. Was that Rusev right. won it? He won that? Yeah, I think he did. Um, He did, you're right. I think that isn't bad because it's one person. There's a reason for him being there. Um, you could even have a King of the Ring tournament in NXT, you know, since they can't do it properly in the main roster and make it an actual pay-per-view maybe in December, and the winner of that enters the Royal Rumble, you know, from NXT. You know, I think there's little ways to get NXT in without convoluting it slightly. Um, that's what, you know, I just think there's more ways to make it more interesting, personally. Mm, yeah, but if, if they don't, to me, if they don't want to be on, if they want to have their own paper, who's then they shouldn't be in the Royal Rumble. That's just my personal opinion, yeah. I'm sure... There'll be somebody will show up. Do you know what? I would absolutely love it if Brock Lesnar showed up and won. Here, sorry. Sorry. Okay, we're going back to something. This is one of the things I did not like about the Royal Rumble, right? Do you remember in 2016, Brock Lesnar, and then the Wyatts came out and just dumped them out? Oh, yes. I'm just yeah. like, that really annoyed me because I'm like, these guys, I hate the Wyatt family, right? And... They just dumped Lesnar, and there was no repercussions. Yeah, I think they changed. I, I think they changed their mind. I think they were supposed to be. I think it was supposed to be Brock and Bray at Mania. In my opinion, it is probably what they had in their heads. And then a couple of weeks later, they went, "Now nah, let's change it." Um, which I'm glad they did because I think Brock versus the Wyatt family at Mania would have been a disaster. But it certainly could have been something at a B <laughs> a B list pay per view or something where he 
you know, you could have him even on Raw and SmackDown take out, um, you know, Harper and Eric Rowan and then, you know, get wild at the pay-per-view on his own type thing. Well, that's... Uh, let's, I, I see if they had a went with Brock Lesnar against Bray Wyatt. Could you imagine all that hocus-pocus nonsense? And Brock Stan laughing at he talks <laughs> And Brock Stan there being like, what's this boy talking about again? Like, I just... <laughs> nah, it'd be a recipe for disaster. But that was something that always annoyed me. Sorry, was that there. The way Brock was built up as this unstoppable force and then literally the Wyatts came back in and threw him out and was like, nah, I'm not having that. Yeah. I thought that was wick. Um, but if Brock showed up at the Rumble, it'd be great. Like, but whether he will this year, I, I don't know. Like, yeah. No, we'll see. Hopefully. Hopefully. But it's been a good chat today. Um, we've chatted about some of just of our favourite random Royal Rumble matches. Um, not in any particular order, just all over the place. If you're looking for a good match to watch, watch any of the ones that we talked about. They're all good in their own unique ways. We're excited about the Royal Rumble. Podcast 3 will be coming soon where we give our final predictions for the Royal Rumble. And um, we talk some other major topics. But um, from myself, it's been a pleasure. Neil, it's been absolutely brilliant to have you on the show again. And we'll be doing this very shortly for podcast three. Thank you very much for having me. It's been uh, it's been a blast. It's been phenomenal. <laughs> the phenomenal podcast today. Um, from all of us here, have a, um, have a brilliant time. Have a very happy new year. And this will be out in 2021. I hope you had a very good new year as um going by the date this will be released we're coming up to the end of the year as we're recording um i think it'd be it would so be next week then be next week <laughs> um i think it would also be a bit of a miss if we didn't you know say a few words just about uh but john huber um Brody lee luke harper who died and one of the things i've noticed on wrestling on the wrestling twitter anyway is it's unanimous across the board you know what fans are saying what specifically more so than fans is and i don't mean to disrespectfully towards fans we're fans we don't know the man we sit and we watch on tv and he was a good worker probably should have had a big more of a push in wwe he got a bit more of a push and a bit more leeway in aw to work with a bit more creative which i'm sure he was happy about but wrestlers across the board journalists across the board everyone that seemed to know him was paying a bit of a tribute towards him in terms of his love for his family and his sons and uh wife and whatnot and of course his love for the business so um we just our thoughts and prayers are with his family um at this difficult time but from all of us here have have a very good weekend and look out for episode three it'll be coming soon and that way you can get in touch with us give us your opinions thoughts on who's going to win the royal rumble this has been fun episode two out of three is done and dusted and from neil and myself thank you very much for listening